0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 23rd, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. When government creates seemingly simple and straightforward tasks for would-be entrepreneurs, what are now rights can be slowly transformed into privileges. Timothy Sandefur is author of The Permission Society, How the Ruling Class Turns Our Freedoms into Privileges and What We Can Do About It. We spoke this week. Give me an example of how the government takes freedom and turns it into a privilege.
1: Oh, there's so many ways. There's so many aspects of our lives where we have to ask the government for permission to do something, whether it be to build a house or start a business or hire people or own a gun or contribute to a political candidate we support and so forth. Um, one of the most shocking examples of it is with, when it comes to medicine. What is a prescription? A prescription is a government license allowing you to possess a medicine, right? So when you talk about how the government restricts access to medicines that could save people's lives, you're talking about how the permit system, the permission society, restricts people's ability to access medicines that could help them. So the the government has an elaborate process for evaluating medicines for safety and efficacy. And this can take a very long time and cost a lot of money. And people who have terminal illnesses who might be helped by these medicines are often locked out of that because they can't get permission to use those medicines that could save their lives.
0: And if a prescription is a government permission slip, uh, the doctors who provide that permission slip have their own authority- uh, delegated to them by right. the government to even issue permission slips.
1: Or they ought to. Actually, one of the one of the tragic things about FDA regulatory authority is that the Federal Food and Drug Administration, through the drug regulatory policy, is also allowed, to, is enabled to control medical practice even though the FDA isn't supposed to be in charge of regulating the practice of medicine. The FDA is not tr- in, in charge of regulating the practice of medicine in this country. But because it can control access to medicines and in cooperation with other federal agencies, can punish doctors who are suspected of overprescribing medicines. DEA, for example. Yeah. The, often the, the outcome is that doctors are afraid to prescribe pain-killing medicines to people who are in serious pain, for example, because they're afraid that if they prescribe too much, the DEA might come down on them, they, their license might be at risk, and so forth. And so as a result, the FDA and the DEA are able to regulate the practice of medicine in a way that's detrimental to patients.
0: And so what would otherwise be a relationship that you have with a physician and then a relationship that you have with a pharmacist. Right. The government is involved in uh, a, essentially adjudicating beforehand the nature of that, those engagements.
1: Right. And I, I often contrast it with the essentially free market system when it comes to our pets. It, you know, if, if my cat has a, a medical problem, I take the cat to the vet, the vet's top priority is making me happy. Because if if I'm not happy with my vet, I go down the street to the next vet. There's plenty of competition in the veterinary business. They're focused on making me happy by keeping prices as low as they can and providing me with the services that I need. That doesn't compromise the quality of their medical care. Animals in the United States who have loving uh, caretakers take them to the vets and they get adequate medical care. And yet when it comes to human medicine, we have this bureaucratic system where you essentially have to get a federal bureaucrat's permission in Washington, D.C. to take a medicine to save your own life. Now, we at the Goldwater Institute are trying to fight back against this. We have championed a project called Right to Try. This is legislation uh, that has been now enacted in 31 states that protects the right of terminally ill patients to use medicines that have been approved for basic safety by the FDA and are being given to people by the FDA in government-approved uh, clinical trials, but where the people themselves have not been allowed into those clinical trials and otherwise would be prohibited from using those medicines. There are a whole variety of contexts in
0: which uh, the government takes freedom and turns it into a privilege.
1: Speech yeah. is one. Um, Particularly in the uh, in the election context.
0: Uh, when you start a business, quite often your competitors have... Uh, a role in deciding whether or not you get to start that business. That's right.
1: Yeah. The Certificate of Need or Certificate of Public Convenience and Necessity Law, these are laws that say that you're not allowed to start a business until you first get permission from your own competition. And these laws, shockingly enough, they apply to a wide variety of industries, everything from moving companies, taxicabs, liquor stores, uh, car dealerships, and even hospitals. It's illegal in many states to start a hospital or to buy medical equipment for a hospital or to expand. And your hospital's operations without getting permission from the existing hospitals in the area that you know don't want economic competition and will often intercede and try and stop that from happening. Even uh, at, at a relatively small level, if a hospital is
0: considering providing a specific uh, procedure that requires- some big capital investment.
1: Or hiring new uh, staff. That's the case that we're working on. The Goldwater Institute has filed a lawsuit in Georgia challenging that state's certificate of need law for hospitals. In our case, they don't want to open a new hospital. They just want to allow other doctors to use the facility when their facility is not otherwise being used. And in order to do that, you have to get a certificate of need. And the existing hospitals are allowed to, to block that from happening. I call this law the competitor's veto law because it Allows existing competitors to veto any new competition, so we challenged that in court under the Georgia state constitution's prohibition on monopolies. And in fact, we're going to summary judgment on that case fairly soon. Um, the district court or the, the trial court rather refused to throw the case out as the state requested, and the Georgia Supreme Court agreed. So now we're going to judgment fairly soon.
0: When uh, Clint Bullock, uh, your predecessor at uh, at Goldwater, uh, spoke at Constitution Day at the Cato Institute. Recently, he talked about state constitutions mm-hmm. and the power that they have in protecting liberty. And something that I think I think it's the most powerful point that he made is that challenging these kinds of uh, restrictions, if if a, if you're a taxpayer and you're affected you automatically have standing to issue a challenge.
1: That's right. In, in most states, you at least, you have the right to sue the government for spending taxpayer money in an illegal way. You can't do that under the federal constitution under a Supreme Court decision from the 1920s, which I think was wrong, but there's nothing we can do about that now. Um, but in state court, you can. In fact, California courts have an even broader concept of standing. They call it citizen standing, where you can sue the government simply for acting illegally. Um, and these are opportunities to go to court and say, you know, I don't have... A lobbyist on my staff. I'm just a guy. Uh, I don't have political influence. My vote, compared to all the other votes and all the other political influences out there, is practically worth nothing. But my rights are being taken away by this the, the, this government program to subsidize some private industry. So I want a fair hearing. So to take a, an example, at the Goldwater Institute, we're challenging a, a an agreement in Pima County. That's where Tucson is. Is giving money to a private industry to start up a luxury balloon tourism ride. Now, I'm not making this up. The way this is supposed to work is rich people are supposed to pay $75,000 per ticket to ride in a luxury capsule on a specially designed high-altitude balloon to the stratosphere and back. This company called Worldview Enterprises is running this. They haven't successfully taken anybody up in a balloon ride yet, and they don't have FAA approval to do so. Nevertheless, Pima County has decided to use government owned property as collateral. To finance a loan to build the facility for Worldview to build their high-tech balloon pad that is necessary for this project. So we've taken them to court under this taxpayer standing procedure. We have some taxpayers who object to this proposal because the state constitution prohibits the government from giving or lending taxpayer money to private industry. That's another point that Clint made in his speech, actually, is that many states have these gift clauses that actually outlaw corporate welfare, but they very often go unenforced because people... people don't know about them or fail to litigate them. Trevor Burrus It
0: seems that uh, your book, The Permission Society, is about freedoms being turned into privileges by uh, the government and and the people who uh, have sufficient sway within the -hmm. government. It seems almost as if uh, by involving the government, even in a a very innocuous seeming task, that is to say, like registering businesses. that you've begun the process of allowing uh, the government to effectively turn uh, what is otherwise a right into a
1: privilege. Oh, very true. As the old saying goes, uh, you give them an inch and they think they're rulers. Um, As soon as the government is in charge of even just registering people's names, that can gradually morph into a permit system. Now, the, the Supreme Court has said that permits are okay in some circumstances, and they are. I mean, sometimes there are activities out there that are so risky that it's better to make sure that people are qualified first, rather than to rely on the traditional nuisance system that says you're free to do what you want, but if you hurt somebody, you're liable, right? But the Supreme Court has also said, whenever a permit is required for anything, there has to be a specific deadline within which the permit will be granted or denied. The criteria for getting the deadline have to be clear and unambiguous. And you have to have an option for real judicial review if you're wrongly denied a permit. And all three of those are routinely ignored by state and, of, and federal officials who, that impose some sort of permit requirement. They Very often, they don't have deadline requirements. These things can sit there for indefinitely until they decide whether to give you the permit or not. The criteria are often extremely vague. This, you often find this, for instance, in the gun permit context text. You're, you're not allowed to possess a gun without good cause, and good cause, of course, means whatever the bureaucrats say it means. you know. Um, and then the judicial review is often taken away because very often you have to appeal through some administrative process, and the administrative agency, of course, is an entity that regulates behavior investigates potential infractions of those res- of those regulations and then punishes people for those infractions so it combines executive judicial and legislative power and at these administrative hearings the the hearings are presided over by the administrative agency, so the prosecutor is paying the judge, so it's not a real hearing. And then when you and then the rules of evidence don't apply, and when you appeal from that to a real court, the judge is often required to defer to the decision the administrative agency made, so the appeal is a sham. Also, so throughout whatever area of life you're looking at with these permit requirements, very often they deny us the, the due process of law we're entitled to.
0: Tim Sandifer is author of The Permission Society. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.